Hello guys, my name is Jamal Chapala and I'm going to be your narrator for Society 101. Well, Society 101 was created as a personal journal to me and it's a way of me expressing my thoughts. Uh, the first matter that we're going to discuss today is Mudia World Cup and how its background is interfering with today's matters. And we're going to speak about the social injustice that's connected with Qatar and Mudial. But before we do that, I'd like you guys to hear one song. Uh, it's from Pink Floyd. Wish you were here. Uh, every episode that we're going to start, I'd like you guys to just send one, send a song, and I'd like you to write down why it is that song, what that song means to you. Now, I'll let you just listen to some Pink Floyd. Enjoy.
on the black you're hearing a camping Floyd and this moment uh, it's the shine on your crazy diamonds it's gonna play in a loop so it's gonna be silent that's why I put it well after the sword break let me continue with some questions that I had in my mind and I found the answers what is a World Cup the World Cup in football in soccer as the Americans say is a quadrillion tournament of 32 national teams that is organized by the Federation Internationale de Football Association, also known as FIFA. It determines the sportsman world champion. Sportsman. Please do underline it. It is likely the most popular sports event in the world, drawing billions of television viewers every tournament. Why is the World Cup every four years? The World Cup happens every four years in order to have enough time for the qualification tournaments and playoffs among national teams to take place. Additionally, four years provides the host country, which I think is the only reason, adequate time to plan the logistic of the tournament and how to best accommodate the influx of millions of fans. Where, where does World Cup prize money come from and that's one of like my greatest questions because I'm trying to find an answer by my own without without using the internet or any other sources. Well I couldn't do that so I just uh, found some sources that said that World Cup prize money comes from the earning of the non-profit underline it and please put red capital funds into it non-profit FIFA FIFA's revenue is generated by high bids for television marketing and licensing rights for major football events that FIFA organizes FIFA does not inquire expenses for the construction of World Cup infrastructure uh, as those fall on the host country so what and how the World Cup bidding process works that's that's an enigma for most of fans well soccer's growth around the world spans from South Korea to Ghana to Qatar and Brazil FIFA responded by taking the competition to new territories in 2002 he took it to Asia for the first time eight years later South Africa and after that we have Middle East today we have Middle East in Qatar Albeit, this comes under some scrutiny due to FIFA's bribery and corruption cases. Well, let's keep this on small phones. In fact, the World Cup bidding process for 2002, 2006, 2014, and 18, and 2022 all drew some ire. <laughs> there were some past issues with the World Cup bidding process. <laughs> like in 2006, South Africa lost out to Germany. It later surfaced that Germany politicians and businessmen swayed the votes of Asian delegates via investment and, dear God, even sending grenade launchers to a country. <laughs> grenade launchers to a country. Can you think that bad? Finally, FIFA decided to take a more proactive approach uh, to the system. Now all confederations have a first shot of hosting the World Cup. 
As such, a new law was implemented from October 2007. No continent can host back-to-back -back World Cups. For example, Europe cannot host the 22 World Cup. Asia uh, cannot host 2026 and North America is out for 2023. Reason being, all of these continents hosted the World Cup in the cycle prior. As part of, uh, of FIFA's revamp that was introduced, uh, a more simplified timetable. Our eligible parties now have a clear, let's say, set of guidelines and deadlines required for bids. How the World Cup bidding process works? Well, firstly, FIFA announced an invitation to bid to its member nations. Usually, this takes place seven years before the competitions. However, that is not set in stone. Um, like in the case of uh, North America, they won 2026 World Cup. And even if they finalized it in June of 2018, final bids were rolling on uh, 2017, so you can see that. Generally, however, a, a window of three or four weeks is offered. This allowed nations on, on the opportunity to discuss the potential of applying to host the competition. Once this period ends, all interested parties are sent the application pack. This states the expected criteria, investment and study are required. Uh, the, interest, the, the interested parties, uh, they have a six-week period to complete the application. The Nation Soccer Federation work in uh, conjunction with the government support to fulfill FIFA's requirements. From the closure of this deadline, all interested countries have around a year to finalize the bid. Nations, uh, nations complete objectives like setting out what investment will be required, identifying the number of stadia they intend to use, and a deadline for all the work. This period is also uh, for countries to drop out of the running without prejudice. Well, when everything is concluded, FIFA embarks on a series of four-day tours uh, for each of the prospective hosts. Well, representatives visit the venue and potential sighting. Usually, the cavalcade of officials and political figures, former footballers and celebrities, join the FIFA tours. Uh, each nation uh, is visited in turn and then a period of evaluation starts. So how does really the, the, the voting works? So at first there were 24 members of the FIFA executive community that could vote, but because <laughs> of the myriad of corruption and bribery, FIFA opened their voting to all member associations. Now they do vote all electronic, but the voters must be present uh, present at the location of the voting. So, a fun fact here is that the Spanish representative missed the vote for the 2026 World Cup because it happened just ahead of, um, uh, of the World Cup. Rather than voting, he went to the Spanish, 
the, the Spanish president, he flew to from Spain to Russia to fire his head coach. That's, that's, that's truly fascinating. FIFA does require a majority to win the votes, like most of the voting, like truly. I think this is how voting should work. With only two votes, uh, with only two bids submitted in 2026 World Cup, the winner basically needed just 50%, more than 50%. Or in terms of numbers, the winner needed around 103 votes. Well, now comes, now, now comes the great question. Why does Qatar want, or why does the country want to be well, the host nation won't be the host uh, party. And here comes my, my answer to that. Well, the typical response to that is that the Qatar World Cup is a sport washing project. But that justification falls short, for example, for, for explaining why the government spends so much money, it's around two, 200 billion, on a month long football tournament that has drawn criticism around around the world first i'll give you the definition of uh, the world sport washing which is the practice of uh, leverating sports sponsorship to boost uh, the reputation of uh, a continuous corporation or nation well can qatar truly claim that hosting the world cup um, enhances its reputation many of you by just hearing what i'm saying right now might not have might not know or might not have the knowledge about the nation's arcade sets of rights for women and the lgbtq community without the world cup you might also not have known about the horrors of the nation's now theoretically reform kafala system of work sponsorship and the the accompany the accompanying uh, heinous uh, oh which accompanies uh, heinous human rights violations well since qatar won the world cup has anyone actually changed their opinions of them therefore is it possible to say that qatar's world cup initiative is already a failure of those parameters but qatar hasn't just spent a fortune to organize this football competition because of sport washing simon jadwig is uh, the emilion business school's global professor of sports he says uh it's a french school in, in french um, it has never been about sport washing. The phrase has a use, but is oversimplified. Uh, a complicated discussion, but it's a, a truly complicated discussion. People who use it are being naive. Some might say stupid and unsophisticated, I dare say, he says. He's anxious to emphasize that sports do have reputational advantages he does not uh, consent the veracity of the term sport washing but claims that it does not encompass uh, 
all of Qatar's motivations for seeking the World Cup. The World Cup being hosted by Qatar is also a story of strength and fragility. The World Cup is fundamentally about Qatar's tragic, tragic vulnerability, he claims. Qatar is a small nation with a land border with Saudi Arabia. The marine border is with the United Arab Nations, Emirates, Bahrain and Iran. Its area is smaller than that of Cork and Kerry put together. Additionally, it has enormous natural gas, which it has successfully utilized to become the richest nation in the world, which are, which are comparable to a gold mine in today's term. Qatar has safeguarded itself by engaging in what Professor Jadbeck refers to as hedging. Uh, which is geopolitical jargon uh, for avoiding causing a stir. Therefore, Qatar is home, just listen to that, home to the largest US Army Air Force base in Gulf, despite having close ties with Iran and housing the Taliban in exile. Did I think of it? Sport plays a role in that procedure, though. The World Cup is without a doubt Qatar's biggest undertaking, but it's also hosted. But it has also hosted 2015 World Handball Championships, the 2016 UCI Road World Championships, the 2019 World Athletic Championship, and the FIFA Club World Cup. Additionally, it has been included to the FIFA to, to the FIFA set, sorry, to Formula One Grand Prix roster and it still has a chance to beat Hear me out for the 2036 Olympics. They cannot afford to enrage anyone since they are so little and defenseless, according to Professor. As a result, they must continue to be present and visible, as well as being positive, re, 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 reliable, reliable and legitimate. Uh, the story includes the story includes that the story includes the World Cup too. They wanted to be recognized as respectable and dependable members of the world community, which was one of the reasons they sought to host the World Cup. It sent a message to the whole community. If you can show that you can carry out a plan, maintain your word, and have the resources to invest in significant projects like the World Cup, that's it. Sport is another tool utilized by Qatar to promote its fundamental nation branding, which is that that it is a state, a nation state, in its own right. Professor Jadwick says, ask someone about Qatar 15 years ago, and what, what would they respond to? Um, probably, what is Qatar? Where might I find one and how does it function? 
Now that name of the nation is known, it serves a proactive function to define national borders and ingrain them in people's souls. According to John McCann's book, Inside of Qatar, hidden stories from one of the richest nations on earth, there was a war in Qatar during 2017, during the Gulf crisis that Saudi Arabia might invade. Well, Qatar has a defensive it has a defensiveness that many people have not noticed. Putin made a conscious decision to use sport offensively rather than defensively. Without a doubt, Putin played a malicious sport. It wasn't meant to appease, uh, to, to appease anyone. Rather, it was an entirely different tactic of split and conquer. But while the World Cup exposed Qatar weaknesses, it also demonstrated its strength. Since Russia invaded Ukraine, that power has grown. As Western politicians flocked to Qatar to sign deals, Qatar's Gaza exports in April of this year were more than twice than they were in the same month last year. The criticism of the World Cup, or the, of, the, of the lack therefore, has highlighted that Westerners depend on Qatar gas. Western governments have rarely expressed an unfine position on the subject and frequently qualified and criticism that they did make. For instance, the Gulf state of Qatar swiftly censored Germany's interior minister Nancy Faiser after she stated in October that it would be better if the World Cup were not granted to a nation with a history of violating human rights like Qatar. A week later, she offered an explanation for her remarks, claiming that they had been misinterpreted and that Qatar had in fact passed quite good regulations. <laughs> Dear God, whatever reading right there. <laughs> this is my theory. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to keep it as business and <laughs> as formal as I can, but I cannot. It's true. Everything that I'm saying right now, it's true. Uh, let me let me find my notes again. Yeah, and yes, I said that they they've passed quite good regulations to enhance the living and working condition of migrant laborers. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I'm going to continue. Olaf Scholz, the Chancellor of Germany, commented Qatar's progress in enhancing labor rights while in Doha to assign gas agreements with both Qatar and the United Arab Emirates. Amnesty International recognized the same legislation and improvements but issued a warning that there was a still there was still a gap 
between the laws. Announcements and it's still implementation across of all infrastructure, not just the World Cup related projects. What we have here is a very small country with disappropriately large power. And that disappropriately large power is a result of their is a result of the resources and independence that allow them to exert power and control over countries like Britain, Germany and many other countries without without Europe throughout Europe. This disappropriate amount of influence, this huge amount of influence and power and control has exposed so many glaring paradoxes. In a recent tweet, um, I saw that somebody mentioned that Britain out to consider its relationship with Qatar. And and one Englishman had commented, we need the gas, we do not need the World Cup. <laughs> That's the reason we work with Qatar. That uh, was answered. So it was answered by a Qatari. He said, oh, we're only pals when you need us. This particular Planet Cup is highlighting problems with not only World Cup football or sports, but also with the current state of the world. <laughs> Last, Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, only recently restricted, resurrected, sorry, resurrected the, the, the tired old adage that Politics and sport couldn't mix and shouldn't be mixed. Macron stated that we must not politicize sport, which is always aspirational rather than diagnostic. FIFA permitted that World Cup and sports to be exploited as a political instrument and to become a pillar of the national building agenda by giving it to Qatar. The World Cup will always serve a purpose for someone, somewhere, and the politics will never intentionally leave it untouched. FIFA's responsibility is to fend off this politics. They have fallen short in that regard. They have failed. Well, you see how it's all connected, not just politically, sociology too. You see that in our society, that we need somebody, like we're friends with somebody when we need him. He talks about two sides right here. He talks about how Qatar has used the World Cup in a defensive way and how Russia used it in 2018 in a more aggressive one, in a more in a more shoot engaged way. <laughs> Thank you so much guys, first of all for staying. For you who are asleep, 
I will not scream, so you still be asleep. For you guys who are awake, I'd like you to thank you so much. In the next matter, in the next time, we will discuss something more particular about the LGBTQ.